helping families be happy. Well, welcome to the Helping Families Be Happy podcast, where we explore the often messy world of family, love, and relationships. I'm your host for this podcast, Christopher Robbins, the co-founder of Familius Publishing, husband, father of nine, author, fly fisherman, backpacker, and aspirational musician based in the Central Valley of California. We hope to bring you nourishing real-life information about love, family, relationships, and life. Now, I'm happy to introduce today's guest, Dr. John DeGarmo, a leading international foster care expert, consultant, TED Talk speaker, and author of the best-selling Faith and Foster Care, and the familiar book, The Little Book of Foster Care Wisdom, 365 Days of Inspiration and Encouragement for Foster Care Families. Dr. DeGarmo is married to Dr. Kelly DeGarmo, and the two of them have six children, both biological and adoptive. The DeGarmos have been foster parents for dozens of children for over a decade and are the recipients of the Good Morning America Ultimate Hero Award. Welcome, Dr. DeGarmo. Oh, thank you so much. So help us understand, what is the work that you do? Well, thanks for asking. So as, as you said, my wife and I have been foster parents to over 60 plus children. And what I do is I, I work with foster care agencies and child welfare programs, not only across the United States, but across the, the globe, uh, trying to make the system better for everybody involved, foster care system, adoption, uh, trying to prevent human trafficking. So I work with those agencies and welfare programs. At the same time, I also try to bring awareness to these issues to general society. Because before I was a foster and adoptive parent, I believed all those myths and misconceptions that are out there that I think that most of society tend to believe as well. So I'm really driven every single day to make the system better for all involved and to open up eyes and bring awareness to it. Okay, well maybe let's start there. Help us understand for those of us who don't know and are, are not involved in the foster care system, what are some of these myths and misunderstandings that uh, that, that we need to, to be disabused of. Sure, thanks for asking. So some of those myths include the fact that the kids are bad kids. Nothing is further from the truth. These are children who are victims of horrific types of abuse, of neglect, of abandonment. There is a myth that uh, foster parents are weird people. Well, that's kind of true. You know, I've had to do this for 60 plus kids. We gotta be a little bit weird to do what we do. It's a very different lifestyle. When you bring children into your home or suffering from tremendous anxieties, uh, and trauma, that's a whole different lifestyle. Uh, there's a misconception out there that, that, uh, that well, I get, I, I get asked this question a lot. Dr. John, I can't do what you do. It'd be too hard to get the kids back. My response is, you know, that's how it's exactly how it's supposed to be. These kids, many of these children have never had someone say, I love you. I've never had somebody give them a positive word of encouragement. So what I, what I give kids in my house and most foster parents do is stability, security, but most importantly, unconditional love. So that when they do leave our homes, for whatever reason it might be, our hearts do break. There's that misconception that foster parents' hearts don't break. No, we do. We, our hearts break. We grieve and the loss of these children in our homes because they are like our family members. They're like our own children. We've given them all that love we have. But you know, I think that's a gift though for that child because we might be the first person who's ever loved them so much that our hearts break. We might be the first person who's ever shed tears for these children. So you speak, um, I've listened to a few of your interviews and you speak 
about them being your children, that you do not differentiate between these children and that you're in a grocery store and people ask you, are these your children? And you say, yes, these are my children. Help us understand that. Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, th that, that label foster child is an ugly label. No, no child wants to be in foster care. You know, you can forget about all the abuse and the trauma anxiety they've placed beforehand. When they're placed into a foster care home, they are filled with questions. They're filled with questions like, why am I here? When do I go home? What did I do wrong? Do my parents not love me anymore? Is it my fault that mommy or daddy touched me or hit me in those places? So when they come to my house, they're afraid, they're scared, and they don't want that label of foster child. It's an ugly label with lots of you know, mixed exceptions to it. So in my house, we don't have those labels. There's no biological or adoptive or foster child. They're my children, they're members of my family. That helps them with the healing process. That helps them form relationships that helps them with trust and attachment so help us understand the extent of this what are the statistics and what is the need well the statistics are grim before COVID-19 hit our nation there were five million children in our United States who were victims or witnessed domestic violence in their own homes those numbers have spiked as children are isolated at homes right now um, they are stuck at home and we're knowing, we know that child abuse has gone up. There are 500,000, roughly 500,000 children who are in the foster care system. There are roughly 300,000 children who are victims of human trafficking in our nation, which means in all these statistics, this is happening in every single community in our nation. This is happening in our neighborhoods. And for so many of us, it's happening to members of our own family members that we might not even know. So, you know, maybe this is somewhat off topic, but um, why? Why is this happening? Why, why are parents having such a struggle taking care of their own children that there's a need for foster care families? Well, we can look at some of the kids who have come through my home who are second or third foster care which means the system failed them in some way. Their parents were in foster care, their grandparents are in foster care, and they never got the therapy or the, the counseling that they need. You know, beside that, so many children who are placed into my homes, their own parents are suffering from their, not, maybe they weren't in foster care, but they're suffering from their own trauma. They're suffering from their own anxiety. And their trauma and their anxiety is overwhelming them so much, they don't know how to process it because they never got the help, so they can't, care for their own children when they can't care for themselves. In addition, we've seen a rise in the opiate epidemic that is strangling our nation. The opiate epidemic, which is again in every single community. What happens to those children when their parents are incarcerated for the opiates? What happens to those children when their parents are hospitalized because of their opiate addiction? What happens to those children when their parents die because of their opiate addiction? They're flooding into a foster care system that's really struggling. Okay, so obviously there, there are significant challenges that are, that are ongoing. So um, you are heavily involved in this community. Uh, are you involved in, in the civic community and with our civic leaders and, and helping to, uh, from a state or community's point of view, helping to frame legislation or is there anything going on to help um, facilitate improvement? I'm so glad you asked. I'm actually off to Washington, D.C. in the end of July to meet with several legislators about foster care reform. And what, and what, what is the reform that you're hoping to accomplish? What are, what are you looking for? What's the end? Well, 
so when a child, the ultimate goal of foster care is reunification, reunifying the birth parents with the children. And that happens maybe about 50% of the time. 20% of those children come back in the foster care. They re-enter into foster care system because they're placed into an environment that wasn't ready yet. Their parents have not overcome their challenges. The parents are still struggling in some way. The parents are not getting the support, the resources they need. And as a result, the children are either being neglected, abandoned, or abused again. Uh, and that happens far too much. As I said, 20% of those kids who go back home come back into care. And that's a frightening number. I've seen so many children in my own home go back to the foster care system. I'm sorry, go back to their own family members and end up in a very tragic situation, you know, even sometimes in death. So that needs to be reformed. We need to change that and ensure the children who are returning home, we need to ensure that that is a safe environment and those families are getting support they need after reunification. Okay, you know, clearly reunification is, is a wonderful end goal and it sounds like sometimes that does not happen and sometimes it does happen and, it, and it's not the correct direction. Um, you, you've, you've talked about the crisis in the foster care system. Is this the crisis or is there something else underfunded, understaffed that we need to understand? All the above. So when you're having more children flooding into the system because of the opiate epidemic or child abuse or human trafficking, but mainly opiate epidemic, there are not enough foster homes. Foster parent retention is really challenging for agencies. Not only are they struggling recruiting foster parents, much in part to those misconceptions out there, uh, they're also having a hard time retaining foster parents. Re foster parent retention is a, is, a, is a severe issue for foster care agencies because let me tell you, it's the hardest thing I've done. The most rewarding thing I've done, but the hardest thing I've done. And there are many foster parents who say, you know what, this is so hard, I can't do this anymore. On top of that, you have caseworkers and agencies who are overworked, overwhelmed, under-resourced, understaffed, underpaid. So children flooding in, not enough homes for the children, caseworkers don't have the resources they need. So what happens to these children? So, um, you know, you, you listen to you, and it seems like it could almost be overwhelming, but yet, of course, you don't get overwhelmed. You keep moving forward. Help us understand, you said it is hard. It's the hardest thing that perhaps you've ever done. Help us understand why is it so hard, and then how do you compensate for the challenges that exist in being a foster care parent? You no, know, it's hard on so many levels. When the child enters my home and they're asking those questions, why am I here, when do I go home? And they cry themselves to sleep night after night and there's nothing I can do or say to assure that child they're gonna be safe. It has to be done through time. That's hard. Those first few nights are hard, I feel powerless. When those, child, when those children leave my home and again, it's like losing a member of my family, yeah, my heart breaks. And, I, and foster parents experience feelings of grief and loss. We also experience feelings of burnout and stress when we become frustrated with a system, a system that does not work all the time. When we have visitations with the birth parents and doctor's appointments and, and, and court appearances and therapy sessions and the challenges these children face in school because they're behind 18 months at least academically. And the fact these children have issues of attachment and trust and they may be lashing out to the foster parents because they don't know how to process and handle their own emotions that are overwhelming them. That's just part of the challenges right there. Compassion fatigue, secondary traumatic stress is another challenge foster parents face. Um, it's hard, it's hard. So how, but again, most rewarding thing, every, every child's maybe a better person in some way. How do I overcome those challenges? Well, that's why I wrote that book. 
their book, three hundred, the, the little book of foster care wisdom, because I needed. I, I heard from foster parents, hey, how can I get help every single day? You know, I, I had to surround myself with fellow foster parents to, who understand exactly what I'm going through. I had to make sure that uh, I'm caring for myself. Self care is so important. If I can't care for myself, there's no way I can care for my these children who are in my home who need me. I have to make sure that my marriage is a priority. I have to make sure that my wife and my family and I are all on the same page and in agreement and we're doing this together as a team, if you will. Um, those are a few ideas how we care for ourselves. You know, I, I love to garden. Personally, I love to garden. Um, I've got a, a couple of acres of just flower beds, so I go out there and lose myself out there, pruning flowers, taking care of vegetables. So for me, that's a little bit of a, of a release. Mental health is so important for foster care parents. If we don't care for for um, mental health, we can't care for these kids who are struggling with their mental health as well. That's really helpful. You, you focused on um, being socially healthy, being mentally healthy, being physically healthy, having a space to make sure that you're taking care of yourself. Um, let's make it real. So I'm, I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm an entrepreneur, um, I'm a fairly busy person. And uh, it's, you know, it's, five, 5.30 in the morning till you know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock every night. And I have nine children. Um, four of them have left, they fledged, and I've got five home and they all have different needs and, and every single child is radically different. And, and I feel full, I feel full. So what would you say to someone like me um, in, in terms of, is there capacity for me to add uh, foster care to my family? And if I did, what do I need to know? Well, I've had as many as 11 children in my house at the same time, so I can relate to that nine number. I've had seven in diapers at the same time, which I think should be illegal in all 50 states. Can you imagine, <laughs> can you imagine getting ready? My wife does hair. I do diapers, so uh, getting to work on time was a bit of a challenge when I got seven kids in front of me who needed the diapers change, and not, not always a, a pleasant journey there. Uh, you know, you, you don't have to be rich to be a foster parent. You don't have to have a big house. You don't have to have an important job. You're going to be married. Uh, you just had to have uh, an, uh, a heart to care for these children. But you know what? Not everybody can be a foster parent. I understand that. But I truly believe that everybody can help a child in some way. Everybody can help a child in crisis in some fashion. And, and that's an important message we all need to hear. Well, I, I gave you those statistics earlier on, the, the 5 million domestic violence in their own home the 300,000 kids who are victims of human trafficking, the 500,000 in foster care. We can each help a child in our community in some fashion. Now, I, I spent, I, listen, I spent lots of, lots of time in Mexico, Honduras, and Nicaragua doing mission work. Those are all been great for me. But I recognize there's a mission field in our own communities. We don't have to go very, very far to seek out children to help. That's really helpful. Um, you know, we work also with Josh Shipp. I know you know Josh. And um, we're releasing a book with him. It's almost basically his autobiographical called No Matter What, which tells the story of, of him bouncing from family to family until he found his, what he calls his true family. Those that no matter what he did, they were going to love him, as you say, unconditionally, which I've heard in your, in your interview. Um, so we can, we can help without necessarily being a foster care family. Some people are going to be great foster care Parents. Some people might not be able to be foster care parents, but what you're saying is what Josh has repeated is that he, I think he says that every child is only one caring adult away from success. So give us just a couple, just a couple of ideas 
of what, if we're not going to be foster care parents, what can we do in our own community to make a difference? That's a great question. There are so many ways, but I'll give you a few. When children enter into foster care system, many times they just have the clothes in their back, and if, if that. Um, if they have anything, it might be stuffed in a black plastic bag. We can provide backpacks filled with hygiene items for these children. We can provide school bags filled with school supplies for these children. We can donate new clothing to a foster care closet in our area. We can buy brand new suitcases for these children so that when they do leave the foster care system, for whatever reason it might be, they have the dignity of a brand new suitcase. Those are a few, a few ideas right there. Those are great ideas, very simple ideas that anyone could, could execute on. Now, if someone wanted to do that in their own community, where would they go to engage with a, with a foster care system to be able to provide those resources? Well, very easily they can call up their local child welfare agency in their area, in their community. Perhaps there's a foster care private agency in their area. There might be a faith-based organization in their area that uh, has a foster care ministry, if you will. I know a lot of the churches have a foster care food pantry or a clothes closet. You know, those are a couple of places I can call. Okay, wonderful. So, you know, it, 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 I've been asking you a lot of questions. Um, we are the publisher of your book. Um, do, you have, do you have a particular question for me? Um, nine children. I would like to know what your Christmas is like. <laughs> well, when I grew up, um, my parents, uh, I come from a broken home. My parents were divorced when I was five years old. And uh, I have very few memories of my parents together. But uh, one of the memories I have is that there were four of us, and they would always line us up oldest to youngest. And of course, you probably have already guessed that I'm the youngest. And I thought that was just unbelievably unfair to have the oldest to youngest line up before we went into the room to to see if Santa Claus had brought us anything in our stockings. So when my wife and I got married and we started having children, I reversed that. And I make sure that the youngest child is always the first in line. And we still do it. And even when the kids come home and they're in their 20s and uh, late 20s, we line up and they all come running in. And, and while the young ones might get something really exciting and they're all so excited about it, and the older ones might get a shirt and a pair of socks, they still pretend how exciting it is to get a shirt and a pair of socks. So that's, that's our tradition. <laughs> I love it. That's fun. Yeah, That's thanks fun. for asking. Yeah. Well, Dr. John DeGarma, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an absolute pleasure and to learn about this and learn that, that we can do something. We can always do something to make a difference. Um, where can our guests find you? Oh, thanks for asking. All over social media, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, Dr. John DeGarmo, foster care expert. You can find me at my website, the Foster Care Institute. Or just a quick search online for Dr. John DeGarmo, foster care expert, and my information will come up. Great. Wonderful. As we conclude today's podcast, I'd like to thank Familius Publishing for their support in bringing this podcast to your ears and your heart. We'd be thrilled if you'd subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review on iTunes and social media. If you'd like more wonderful Familius content, be sure to visit us at Familius.com where you will find our Habit Hub blog as well as a spectacular selection of books for families. One step at a time, we can make the world a happier place. Thank you for sharing your time with me, Dr. Carla Marie Manley. It's been a joy and a true pleasure. Be well and shine as only you can do.
We talk together, learn together, play, work, eat together, we laugh together, heal together, and we love forever when we read.